several years ago, my wife and I were in, uh, were in Los Angeles and, uh, on vacation, and I, we were driving back to the hotel that we were staying at. We had done some sightseeing, so we were driving back to Orange County, uh, which is where we were staying. And uh, I had, we had rented this car, and you know how it is when you rent a car, you don't know like, what all the lights and buttons and knobs and all that stuff mean. So, um, but the one that comes up, you know, the gas light, you kind of know what it means because it lights up and it's like the silhouette of a gas station, so you kind of know that's what that is referring to. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to stop the next chance I get. Well, what happened is um, my wife uh, was there. This is before we had kids. She fell asleep. And then I just kind of got caught up. I was listening to the radio. I got caught up in what I was listening to. And then um, I was enjoying Southern California weather. And um, then I felt like this clunking sound. And so I did what any guy does. When you hear the clunking sound and your car starts slowing down, you just floor it because uh, there's like some guy manual that says that's what you're to do. But then I floored it, and the car started slowing down. I don't know a lot about cars, but I know that's a bad sign. And um, so what happened was I realized I was running out of gas, which is one of the worst feelings in the world, second only to like you're driving and then the lights turn on by the police officer behind you. That tops it. Well, I'm driving, right? And uh, it's, it, I'm slowing down. I'm, uh, you know, I was going about 65, and I start slowing down. you got to understand, Southern California, highways are just like enormous. They're like seven lanes on each side. I mean, there's, they're humongous. It doesn't really help with all the traffic. But um, So I'm in the middle lanes of these, it's like 14-lane highway. And um, I, I say, well, I've got to figure this out somehow. So I, I see an exit. And I say, if I take that exit, because you know there's mountains, hills, valleys in Southern California. So I say, well, if I can just get off this exit, the, I see that the, the, the street goes down so I can kind of build some momentum and hopefully glide into a gas station. Because if that's actually what had happened, that would be an awesome story. I'd be telling that story all the time. I ran out of gas, but then I went down and then I pulled right into a gas station and it just proves God likes me a little more than everybody else. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. So I, I do get off at the gas station. I cut off some people. They say some words I can't repeat in church. And... Uh, so I, I get off, I, and then, this is the part that's so cool, though, I, I, I'm, I'm going down this hill, right? And then right as I get to the bottom of the hill, the light turns green. And so I just make the left turn, and I'm still going on just the natural momentum, right? And so I make the turn, and I'm like, and then I see a gas station, like, I see the sign to a gas station in the distance, and I say, all i got to do is make a right-hand turn, and I'm going to pull into the gas station, because this would make a great story. So I make the turn, right? And then I realize that the... The turn that I've made, the gas station is at the top of a hill. I am at the bottom. I get up about 20 feet, and then my car starts going backwards. So I put the car in park, put on the hazard lights. Oh, by the way, my wife is still asleep. Um, and I tell her, I say, honey, I need you to wake up. I need you to steer, uh, to drive while I get out and push. Now, that is the worst. Because when you get out and push, right, uh, traffic slows down. People start looking at you with... A cross between like pity, disgust, and they start questioning your IQ. And like little kids are like, Mommy, why is that man all red? You know, it's just like weird stuff. You're pushing the car uphill. Well, I'm pushing this car uphill just because I have the strength of 10 men. And so I'm pushing this car uphill. And uh, actually, I'm at the point of almost like dying right there. When these two men out of nowhere, I'm in front of a Honda dealership. These two men um, jump over the bushes. I mean, it was like something out of like Hawaii Five O, two guys, you know, da, 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 jump out of the bushes, right? All you need is like a 70s bass guitar to kind of go in the background. These guys jump out of the bushes, and they help me push the car up the hill. To this day, I still believe these men were angels in disguise. 
Now, the reason is, is because they had the perfect cover. No one would expect anyone connected with God to work at a car dealership. And so I thought that, that must, they, they must be hanging out, just reporting on things. And they helped me get up there. I fueled up the car. Everything was okay. But here's the thing. We all recognize that a car can't run without fuel. We all recognize that a car can't run not only without fuel, but without regular maintenance. This is the same thing is true with people. We need times of refueling. We need times of rest so that we can be healthy. Because, listen, culturally, we live in a world that doesn't necessarily believe that. I don't know if you realize that, but in our, here in America, we are the most tired, worn out, overworked people on the planet. We take less vacation than any other country, and we work more per week than any other country in the world. Um, on average, the U.S. worker works 50 hours a week, and here's what the results of that have been. The uh, workers' comp, uh, workers' compensation claims have tripled in the last 20 years. More fatal heart attacks happen on Monday at 9 a.m. than at any other time in the week. It's like a guy gets to the office and he says, if I have to do this one more week, I'm going to die. And he does. It's a crazy thing that happens. And then check this out. Each year in America, we consume 33 billion aspirin. That is a headache that won't go away, man. I mean, that's a lot. Now, here's the thing. So that's why when we talk about this subject, it's so important. Because God, when he's giving... Uh, the, these ten words, right? Because, and if you haven't been with us, uh, we're studying the Ten Commandments, but the ancient Hebrews didn't call them the Ten Commandments. They called them the Ten Words because these words were supposed to speak life and vitality into us and show us that, that what is the best possible way to live. And what he does is he spends more time talking about rest than he does talking about any other subject in the Ten Commandments. You see, I'm of the impression that if I were writing the Bible, I'd spend a little more time talking about, like, not murdering people. Murder gets four words. You shall not murder. That's about it. You'd think we'd need a little more explanation than that. Like, you shall not murder, even if your neighbor annoys you. You may want, you know, even if you're thinking about it, just don't do it. Like, you shall not steal. I think if we were writing the Bible that we would create some clauses, some amendments, like, you know, you shall not steal unless, of course, you're staying at a nice hotel and you like the towels. <laughs> then God shall look at the way his eyes while you become the Robin Hood of terry cloth, stealing from the rich to give to yourself the poor. Like, that's kind of what we would think. But here's what God does. When it, you get four words for stealing. You get four words for murder. You get 98 words for Sabbath. 98 words about resting. Why? Because apparently we're not that good about resting. We're just not that good at it. Now, um, when we talk about Sabbath and what is Sabbath, Sabbath is a day of rest. Uh, in a Jewish culture, it's celebrated from Friday night to Saturday night. Now, if you've never understood, like, why Jewish holidays and things like that start at sundown rather than at midnight, you know, because, like, kids trying to stay up till Christmas when it hits 12 o'clock, that's when it's actually Christmas. The reason why and why a Jewish day starts at night and it goes from darkness to, to light is, is because of... Um, the days of creation and how, how God did it. And here's, it's, in, it's in the notes that we gave you. By the way, I encourage you to, take, to grab these notes and take plenty of notes because it's statistically proven that if you take notes, you'll feel cooler. And um, so that might lower 10 degrees just by you taking some notes. Uh, that is a pure fabrication, but it's a good thing to believe right now. Um, now, <clears throat> here's what it says. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
So it starts at evening, it goes to morning, that's why Sabbath for Jews starts on Friday night and goes until uh, sundown on Saturday night. But God gives the command to rest because, of course, you know that He rested. God created the heavens and the earth and then He rested. This is what uh, the Bible says. It says this, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Uh, By the seventh day God had rested, God had finished the work He had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So here's what we're going to do in our time together. I simply want to answer four questions. That's all I want to do in our time together. I want to answer the question, what's the point of the Sabbath? I want to answer the question, why do Christians not observe Sabbath the same way that Jews do? I want to answer the question, why is Sabbath, why does God think Sabbath is so important for living His way and having the best possible life. And then number four, why does your life depend on your observing of a Sabbath? Now here's the thing about the Sabbath, and this is the thing that's really important. The children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt. Most of us know that. And then God sent Charlton Heston to save them, right? And so, you know, God sends Moses to save them out of of Egypt. And so through miraculous signs and wonders and all that, God gets them out of Egypt and He leads them to this place called Mount Sinai. And it's, they make this pit stop in Mount Sinai. And it's there that God starts creating a nation. He starts sharing with them laws and commandments that are about for them to be able to frame their lives in a way that makes sense and live the best life possible. And so here's the reason why God has to spend so much time talking about Sabbath. is because no one had ever thought of it before. I want you to think about that for a minute. Up until this time, from recorded history and prior to recorded history, no one had ever thought of taking a regular day off. Here's what people did. They worked every day. They stopped working when they died. That's just the way it was. If you were sick, if you were hurt, you would take the day off until you got better and then you'd get back to work. But God, because these people had been slaves and they worked every day for no pay under brutal conditions, now God says, listen... I've saved you from all this, and this day off is supposed to be a reminder. Because, listen, Sabbath is about more than just taking a day off. In fact, there's there's some deeper things that happen when we do take a day off. And that's what we're going to look at, these three important things, these principles that we're going to talk about. Look at verse 8 of Exodus 20, if you have your Bibles open there. Here's what we're going to read. He says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now just read that, that's it. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now in your notes, here's what I want you to write down. This is the first point. Is that Sabbath is about remembering our blessings. Remembering our blessings. I had, um, years ago I used to have this car. Uh, It was a Chevy Cavalier that my dad bought for me when I started college. And uh, it later became infested with cockroaches. And someday I'll tell you that story. Um, But I used to call it the cockroach training center. And the reason is, is that when I'd get out of class at night, I'd walk up to the car and I would see roaches doing laps on my steering wheel. That's how I knew this was a training facility for them. And uh, I got so adamant about this that um, I actually took the seats out one day and I used my nuclear technology to bomb the car. I mean, and I put six raid bombs in the car and in the trunk to get all the roaches out and then vacuumed all the carcasses. It was brutal. But here's the thing. And by the way, the car didn't have roaches anymore, but it smelled like raid until the day I got rid of the car. So people would say, like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's a new air freshener. It's lemon with a hint of dead roach. And, uh, and so here's the thing is that I remember one time I was driving to school, right? And I was part, I, I remember, I, could, I mean, I could show you on Google Maps exactly where I was, where, um, where this happened. So I'm, I'm sitting there, 
And the car in front of me, this white smoke starts coming. You know the kind of white smoke that you see like, that guy's engine has a problem. And he hasn't done anything about it. Well, I get so upset as this person in front of me read a stoplight. And I'm like, you know, people need to start taking care of their cars and stop polluting the air and all this. The light turns green. The car in front of me goes. I hit the gas and my car dies. And I, turn, real, I realized after judging this guy for two minutes because I was stopped that the white smoke had been coming from my car. Which then I, be, I became filled with compassion for the person who had the white smoke because it was me. And so what happened was, is that what happened, see, for months previous, this check engine light had come on and I was so bothered by the check engine light. I actually thought my car was overreacting because the car was always, all these things were always lighting up and the car would keep going. And I, and I remember talking to a guy one time uh, at school who, who knew something about cars. And I'm like, how do I get a check engine light to turn off? And he said, oh, it's very simple. Check the engine. And uh, I said, well, I just want the light to turn off. I don't really want to, like, take it to the shop or anything. And he's like, well, I don't know how to turn the light off, but if you check the engine, they'll fix it, and then the light will go away. Well, I just thought that was a little too much. Well, anyway, my car died, $1,700, and a new engine later, the light did turn off, interestingly enough. But here's the thing. Listen, that check engine light was this moment that it's like, hey, there needs to be replenishing, there needs to be repair, there needs to be rest. And here's the deal, is that Sabbath in your life and mine is this flashing light that says it's time to rest. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of where we've been. It's a reminder of the God we serve. And hopefully it's a reminder of where it is that we're going. For the children of Israel, it was a reminder that they had been slaves in Egypt and now God had saved them. And every time they took a day off, it was a reminder that they had been slaves, but now they're free. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's in your notes, it says this, it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You see, part of the reason that God wants us to, to take a Sabbath and take a day off is to remind us of all that, he, that God has done for us. Because check it out, I mean, this is the truth. The truth is, is that if we're real honest, we don't really think about that enough about all that God's done for us. Now, we spend a lot of time thinking about all that we want God to do, but not a lot of time talking about what it is that God has done for us. That's why the children of Israel were told to take this day off, so that every time Sabbath came, they would remember that they had been slaves under these brutal conditions, but that God had set them free, and now they're able to rest. See, when I take a day off and I'm laying on the floor in my living room, and my kids are jumping off, of the couch and landing on me and doing their best, like, WWF impression, um, uh, and, and we're wrestling and playing and laughing and all that, um, I'll turn to my wife sometimes and I'll just say, can you believe it? See, my, if you don't know the story, my wife and I waited 10 years. Um, it was after 10 years of trying and 10 years of praying for us to have our first child. And here's what happened is that sometimes, you know, every time that, I, that I'll take a Sabbath and I'll take the day off and I play with my kids, here's what I'll do. I'll remember this opportunity to remember to say, oh, that's right. I really am a blessed man. That after 10 years of waiting, now God's blessed us with these two amazing kids. And if we don't take time to rest, here's what happens. The day-to-day stuff begins to grip us. And we start forgetting the goodness of God. And here's what it gets replaced by. It gets replaced by a desire for more. Now, I want you to think about how serious God takes rest. Now, this is, I had wondered, like, should I include this passage or not? And I thought, yeah, 
let's have some fun. So I included this passage. I want you to think about this. Not that it's fun, but it's a really serious passage. Look at what it says. It's in your notes in Leviticus 23. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of this month is the day of atonement. Hold the sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do no work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Check this out. I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. That seems serious. Um, And he shall do no work at all. And this is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is a Sabbath of rest for you. And you must deny yourselves from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you are to observe your Sabbath. Here's what God says. This just seems serious to me. Take the Sabbath or I will destroy you. And it's like, wow, that just seems like a bit harsh. You know, I mean, why is that? And here's why. I want you to think about this. When a person doesn't stop every seven days to take a day off, what happens? You already begin to destroy yourself. But not only that, you begin to destroy yourself, you begin to destroy your marriage, you begin to destroy your kids and your family, and here's what God says, here's the deal, if you don't take a day off, God says, I'm going to destroy you, because then at least you'll be able to spare your, your wife and your kids of the destruction that's going to happen. And listen, the whole idea of Sabbath was for us to celebrate and remember how good God is. For us to be able to not worship our work, but instead to create a life that's worth living. I want to talk to you for a minute about the power of Sabbath. Let me tell you a story. Um, in 132 AD, there was a guy by the name of Rabbi Akiva. Uh, Rabbi Akiva, if you look it up, um, is one of the most revered rabbis in Jewish history. Now, Rabbi Akiva um, met a man by the name of Simon Bar Kokhba. And uh, Simon Bar Kokhba was someone that he believed to be the Messiah. For several reasons. One of the names is Bar Kokhba, means son of the star. He thought that connected to a, um, a prophecy that was given in the book of Numbers. And he said, this is the man, son of the star, and uh, that, that he's the Messiah. Well, at the, when, when Rabbi Akiva, who was so respected, lent his weight that this man was the Messiah, I mean, 10,000 people rallied around him. And he decided that he was going to, that this guy, Simon Barkovka, was going to overthrow the Roman yoke and establish Israel as, it's a sovereign, as a sovereign nation again. Well, there's kind of this thing that happens when, you come, when Rome is the superpower of that day and was the greatest superpower known to mankind up until that point. When you and 10,000 of your friends come up against Rome, you lose. That's just kind of the way it goes. Because the Roman machine will just destroy you. And so, he came up against Rome and he lost. But Trajan, uh, who was the guy who was the Roman emperor at that time, was so upset at the Jewish people because at first he had sought to make peace with the Jewish people um, by rebuilding much of the city which had been destroyed in 70 A.D. And that's a story I'll tell you some other time. But here's what happened is that he wanted to, to make peace. Well, they revolted and he got so upset that he sent more troops into Jerusalem than he had ever sent into any other battle. He came in and he absolutely leveled the city of Jerusalem. And also, he made two proclamations. One is that no longer it became illegal for two Jews to talk or have a conversation in the city of of Jerusalem. Which, imagine, if you live in the city of Jerusalem, you're trying to make a living, that becomes now impossible if it's illegal for two Jews to talk. So now Jews are 
scattered. And what's called, the Greek word is the diaspora, or the scattering. And that's why the Jews began to leave, and they filled every pocket of the earth. But here's what happened, is that he also changed the name of Israel. It was no longer called Israel or, or called uh, Judah or Judea. He called it Palestine. Palestine, and, and he did that as an affront to the Jewish people, and he named the land after the ancient enemies of uh, Israel, which were the Philistines, and that's, um, you know, in, in the Greek language, that's how, what that would translate to, which is Palestine. And so, now, now here's the thing that's important to note. Um, sociologically speaking, there's only uh, when a people group are dispersed and they have no homeland, because now the Jews have no homeland. Uh, the average per- people group lasts four centuries, 400 years about, roughly. Uh, maintaining their national identity before they're just lost. And what that means is, is that um, because if you have a group and they no longer have a homeland, people start intermarrying with people from other nations and all that, and eventually uh, the bloodline of a nation is lost. And then uh, you know, the, the, that, that people group is gone. And that's why, you know, when was the last time you met a Canaanite? Right? They're gone. When was the last time you met an Amalekite or a Hittite or a Perizzite or an Uptite or a Flashlight? They're all gone, Right? And so, why? Because they lost their homeland and thus they were not able to retain their national identity. But somehow, the Jewish people were able to retain their national identity for millennia. For over 1,800 years without a homeland, they were able to maintain their national identity because at 132, when this whole rebellion, which is called, called uh, historically the Barkovka Revolt, after the Bar Kopka revolt, the Jews were scattered and they did not have a homeland again until May 14th of 1948 when the UN passed a resolution giving the Jewish people their homeland because they believed that the atrocities that had taken place in uh, Auschwitz and, uh, and Treblinka and other places, that those things would not have taken place if the Jews had their own homeland. And so they created this, they passed this resolution and then here's what took place. All of this time, and the Jewish people still were able to maintain their national identity. And here's the question that everyone asks. How? Because sociologically speaking, it's a miracle. It's never actually happened before. And, when you, and the Jewish people have this saying. And this is their saying as to how the Jewish people were able to maintain their national identity. And here's what it is. The Jews kept the Sabbath. And the Sabbath kept the Jews. That every time that they would take... They would enjoy the day off, that they would take the day off and remember the God that they served, that that would be the thing that united these people and held them together. And that's the power of Sabbath. That's the power of taking a day off because it reminds us of who God really is and it reminds us of the one who is deserving of our worship because anything else simply leads to emptiness. Well, look at what God continues to say in, in uh, Exodus chapter 20. He says this, is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. Now if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the second thing. That Sabbath is about resting from work. That's what it's really about. Here's what the word Sabbath means. It means intermission. That's what it, It's just simply taking a break. Um, every day that I leave for the office, um, uh, my daughter says this to me. We have the same conversation every morning. As I give her a kiss and I say, Mama, Papi's leaving for work. And she says, No, Papi, don't go. 
stay here with me and let's play today. And that becomes like, that's the conversation that we have every day and I have to explain to her, I have to go, but I'll be back around dinner time and, and all that. And um, well, here's the thing is that uh, some of you know that we were gearing up in the beginning of the year to start this campus in Miramar, which is going very well. And then after that, we're gearing up for Easter, which was, you know, humongous. And then gearing up for Mother's Day. So it's been like a really busy season for us. And here's what happened is that um, there have been some days that I've come home a lot later than I've wanted to. Well, one day I got home pretty late. It had been a week, honestly, of coming home later than I, than I really wanted to. And I got home and it was like right before my daughter was going to sleep. And so I just sat by her bed and we talked for a little bit. And she says these words to me and it just like pierced my heart when she said it. She says, Papi, she says, why do you live at work? She says, I want you to live here with us, with me and mommy and big boy, which is what I, we call my nine-month-old son, Alexander. Uh, we call him big boy. And she says, I want you to live with us. And I said, well, Mama, I, I, I do live here. Let's, let's just settle that. I do live here. And, um, but I, I have been working a lot, and I'm sorry. And, um, and, and so we talked about it a little bit, and then she felt better. And she's like, yeah, you don't live at work. That's silly. And I thought, man, I dodged the bullet there. And, um, but here's the thing. Sabbath is just a word that means intermission. And by the way, that's why the word Sabbath does not mean Saturday. Uh, it's simply when God rested from creating the heavens and the earth. He rested from Friday night uh, to Saturday evening. And so Jews celebrate Sabbath Friday evening to Saturday evening. The early Christians did as well. But then they started meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week, in honor of the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so there's groups and there's all kinds of stuff out there. People say, you have to worship on Saturday. Uh, The Bible actually never talks about worshiping on Saturday. The Bible talks about resting on the Sabbath. And so all that it really says is for us to rest. In fact, and let me give you this verse. It's an important one. It's in your notes of the book of Colossians. It says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Listen, the whole point of the Sabbath was to point us to It was a shadow pointing us to Jesus who was to come, who would ultimately be our Sabbath rest. But the principle remains. So it's not like we're bound to take, you know, Friday or Saturday off or or whatever the case. But here's what it is. The principle is you work six days, you take a day off. And so you pick the day, whatever day you want to take, you pick the day and you just take the day off and enjoy your family and rest. And listen, I think we've read that, listen, God is serious about rest. Imagine this. Not only did God say that the children of Israel needed to take, they work six days, they take the seventh off. But here's what God said. Um, because they were people that worked the ground. They were, it was an agrarian culture, and so they, they worked the ground. Here's what God says. You work six years, and then you take the year off. Imagine telling your boss that. Hey, listen, I'm not going to be coming in. I need you to know. Oh, what, what, when are you not coming in? Um, 2011. What? Yeah, listen, I've got a Bible verse. I'll text it to you. I'll see you, see you back in next January. And, uh, well, let, listen, that, that's how serious it was. But check this out. Because this is how, that's how it, that, that was the rhythm and the pattern of life or how it was supposed to be. You work, you work six days, you take a day off. You work six years, you take a year off. And you would do that in seven cycles. So you're 49 years. And then the 50th year was called the Jubilee. Now, then you were able to take the Jubilee year off. And this is what everybody said. That's what I'm talking about. So you got year 49 off. 
you got year 50 off and it was a celebration. And you know what was cool about the, about, uh, the, the Jubilee year? Is that all debts were canceled uh, on the Jubilee year. So you get, see, everybody's excited about that. Because listen, you would get your visa bill and you would just write the verse about the Jubilee year and say, please move my balance to zero. God bless you and send it back. You know, let's get back to the Bible, visa. And, um, and, and, that, and so, and listen, so that was the thing. Now, God was so serious about this pattern that here's, it's not only that people needed to take a rest, He wanted the land to rest. In fact, let me read this passage to you. It's in uh, Leviticus 25. He says, For six years you shall sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards, and gather their crops. But in the seventh year the land is to have a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the, the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a, re- a year of rest. And you may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. I want you to imagine what that means. They work for six years. And so in the sixth year, they get this bumper crop that lasts them for three years. So they have the one, the, the, part of it lasts for the sixth year. Part of it lasts for the seventh year. And then when they start working the land again, because they've given it a year off, they're not going to get all that much from the land on the year they take off. God has it last for that year so that in the following year, when they reap the harvest, they've still been covered all that time. But here's what happened. And this is the thing that's important for us to know. What happened is this. The people started to think, if God gives us three years worth in year six, if we work the land in year seven, we can get even more. And so that's what they did. From the moment they got into the land, they started working the ground. And they never gave the land a rest. In fact, the Bible tells us that they had been in the land for almost 500 years, and they had never given the land a rest. Now, I want to fast forward almost 500 years from where we are. Um, I want to fast forward to about uh, 600 B.C. or so. And um, uh, there's a little more than that. But here's, here's the thing that's so interesting. Here's what happens. Is that it says this. Listen. In Jeremiah 25. Because when you worship your work, here's what happens. When you worship your work, eventually you start worshiping another god because your work becomes your god and that's what becomes the problem. Now look at what happens. In Jeremiah 25, it says, Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all the surrounding nations. And this whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Now here's the thing that's important to note. Why did he pick 70? Why not 170? Why not 100? Why not 50? Why not 7? Why not just a weekend? Because God was doing what He said He was going to do. Let me read you this passage out of Second Chronicles right underneath it. It says, And He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to Him and His sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. And the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolations it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. What's the point? They had been in the land for 490 years. And here's what God says. 
You're going into captivity for 70 years so the land can get its rest. Here's the point. God takes Sabbath and takes rest seriously because He wants us to rest. Not only because it's good for us physically, it's good for us spiritually. When they stopped worshiping and when they stopped resting, they started worshiping other gods that eventually swept them away into captivity. Listen, it's like they became slaves all over again, except work was their slave rather than Egypt being their slave. And the whole point of Sabbath and the whole point of what happened and them being rescued in Egypt was them to be free. You see, Sabbath is all about remembering that God has set us free. It's all about remembering that God has set us free from all the stuff that could hold us back and hold us down. That's why we celebrate. So let's get practical. Uh, practical in the sense of like, when should I take Sabbath? When should I take a day off? So if, if according to that verse in, in Colossians, I don't ha- it doesn't have to be Saturday. When, when, does it, when could it be? You pick. You've got seven days to choose from. Pick one. And make that the day that you take off. And then the question is this. Like, what do I do on the Sabbath? What, what's okay? What's like inbounds or out of bounds for Sabbath? I'm going to keep it real simple. Two words. You may want to write them down. Don't work. All right? That's it. That's it. Just don't work. That is, if you work in an office all week and you say, will it be okay for me to work in a garden and, and do that? Is, is that? is So I work in an office all week, and, 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 but I love working on old cars. Can I do that? Yes, yeah, a hobby, man. It, 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 it refreshes you. It relaxes you. That's what Sabbath is all about. Sabbath is about taking a walk with your family when you've absolutely nowhere to go. Sabbath is about reading a book. It's about going to a movie. It's about making love to your spouse. It's about playing with your kids. It's about having dinner with friends and enjoying their company. Listen, here's what Sabbath is about. It's about remembering that you're human. It's about remembering that while work is important and it's part of your life, it's not all of your life. Listen, here's what Sabbath is for me. Here's like typical Sabbath, which is Friday uh, at at the Franklin's household. If you came to our house on Sabbath, here's what you'd find. You'd find me playing guitar and my daughter and I writing songs. That's what we do on Sabbath. We just, we hang out and we write songs. Uh, My daughter and I have written two songs already. Um, I write the, the core, you know, I do the music and she does uh, the lyrics. And, um, you know, so I, we told her, we've said that we'll split the publishing 50 uh, 50 when, you know, when this album comes out. And, uh, and here's what we do we, um, so we have a song, and she wrote a song. The first song is called Mia. It's basically her autobiography in, uh, in, in, in you know, I don't know, in, in a few verses. And then we have another song um, that's called Baby School that she wrote. And uh, there's not really much words to that song, but it just goes, baby school, baby school, let's all go to baby school. That's pretty much it. But the man, it's got a real hook, and it's a real good song. And then, um, you know, we write lullabies for my son, Alexander, and, and we sing them to him when he's falling asleep, which, by the way, also keeps him from falling asleep. Um, you know what I do? Um, I, I, I take dead animals and I grill them on my barbecue on Sabbath, um, because people say I don't like animals. I love animals. They're delicious. And... Um, and so I'll, I'll grill stuff on the barbecue and we'll invite friends over and, and, and we'll, you know, we enjoy them with the people that we love. And I read books on the Sabbath and we watch TV on the Sabbath. Thank God for TiVo. And, um, you know, I'll sit with my kids in the living room and, 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 and we'll watch the Red Sox on, on, on satellite and I'll explain how the game works and it bores them to tears, but I love it. And I'm the dad, so I get to force them to do it. And, um, and, and listen, but here's what I don't do. I don't write messages, you know, on, on the Sabbath. I don't return voicemail on the Sabbath. I don't respond to emails on the Sabbath. I don't counsel, you know, couples on the Sabbath. I don't do that. You know why? Because I do that all week long. And so Sabbath for me is about 
resting. It's about resting. It's about taking an intermission and just enjoying life because there's more to life than working. And that, listen, here's the thing that's really important for us to note, really important, is that if you take a day off, part of it is, is realizing that God is the one who's sovereign, not us. That if we take a day off, you know what happens? The earth will still revolve on its axis, whether we work or not. The universe is still going to unfold the way it's supposed to, whether we work or take a day off. And so we kind of resign as like master of the universe for, for a day. And that's the power of Sabbath, is just resting from work. There's one last one. I want you to read verse 11. He says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Here's the last one. Sabbath is about reflecting our God. It's about reflecting our God. God created the earth in these six days of creation, and He rested on the seventh. And by the way, God didn't need to rest. There isn't like this missing Bible verse that after God created everything, God said, and that was exhausting. No, instead, He created everything, still full of energy, and He said, now I'm going to rest. Why? Because He's creating a pattern for us to follow. And so he rested to show us a pattern of life. And now, when we work six and we take a day off, here's what we do. We reflect the God that we serve. Because God in His grace and in His love says this, that life is not about being bound, it's about being free. And one of the ways that we show that we are free is by resting. That's why Jesus would say these words in Matthew chapter two, or Mark chapter 2. He would say, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for us to rest, for us to reflect, for us to remember that life is about more than working. It's about creating a life worth living as we walk with God. In fact, remembering is like one of the chief practices of a person who is a Christian. Over and over, the Bible calls us and, and tells us, listen, we've got to remember, 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 remember what? Because we, we have to take time to slow down and remember all that God has done. And that's why when we get to the communion table, here's what Jesus says. He says, do this, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That it's this opportunity for us to slow down, to come to the table, for us to remember the cross. Remember God's amazing love. Remember this amazing grace that saved us. For us to be able to have a relationship with God. You see, we're going to take a few moments as we close and celebrate communion. And as we do, listen, this is an amazing opportunity for us to come to the God that we serve and remember. Remember that we're not striving or working to earn God's favor, but instead, as we come into relationship with God through what Jesus has done, listen, we have His favor through the work that He's done, not the work that we've done. And listen, if you're wondering, like, does God care? Does, really, does He really love me? Listen, we look no further than the cross and we see a Savior whose arms are outstretched and we know that's how much He loved us to the point of sacrificing and paying the ultimate price. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And uh, Pastor Mark's going to come out in a moment. He's going to play a song for us. And then we're going to come forward. And you're going to see the communion tables are set up and you're going to take the elements. You're going to take the bread and take the cup. And here's what I'd encourage you to do. You just hold on to them and go, and go back to your seat. And here's what's going to happen. Is that we're, you're going to have an opportunity to just 
Spend some time with God. If there's sin you need to confess, then confess it. If there's a promise you need to make, then make it. If there's thanks you need to give, then thank Him. But this is a moment for us. A moment for us to remember, to reflect, to respond. As we create a moment for us to really do business with God in our, in our own hearts and in our own lives. Let's pray together. And God, we want to thank you for the fact that you've given us rest and you take that so seriously that it's not about us working to earn your favor. No, instead, your son did the work. And through faith, through our belief, what you do is that you give us your favor through his work. And so God... We pray that as we come to the communion table, that you would do a work in us as we take time to remember all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.